Welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Brockloss Studio, and I'm joined by Anna of Wax and Wayne Studio. Hi, everyone. Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Coulter of at Colt Yalo. Hello, everybody. Now, before we jump into all the quilty chat today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Coulter? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, thank y'all for having me. It's going to be fun. I've been looking forward to it. But um, yeah, I'm a quilter in Water Valley, Mississippi, and um, I make sort of like, I make quilts, but they, they branch off in other directions as well. Um, I think probably what's one of the more notable things about my work is that my school materials are donated textile from people around here in my town. Sometimes people mail me stuff from not around here, but yeah. So I make quilts out of uh, exclusively donated textiles. Kicking things off, could you tell us the story behind your Instagram handle? Yeah, yeah. I live in Yalabusha County. <laughs> so it's really, <laughs> like my cult, my close friends call me Colt. So it's like Colt in Yalabusha. Okay. <laughs> Just a contraction. Yeah. <laughs> so you grew up in a family of seamstresses and quilters um, going back to many generations. So did you learn to sew and quilt from your family? Yeah, well, I learned about quilting just by sort of watching my mom. Um, you know, it just it's sort of like osmosis. You see it long enough, you sort of generally get what's happening. And then when I was, you know, older, um, I had to ask her actual technical questions. You know, like, how do I get the top I just made to stay on the back? You know, she's like, it's called basting. So, you know, it was like a long process of like, you know, watching it and then eventually as an older person, we were really asking her how it was done. And then, you know, my grandmother was a very gifted seamstress, always very uh, creative, doing all sorts of like sculptural work with stuff she would find in the woods, you know, like branches and tree bark and stuff. So, and then my grandmother, great-grandmother and great-great-grandmothers were very uh, proficient and gifted quilters. So, so did they take you under your their wing when you were young? No, you know, um, it was not something that I sat down and ever learned. So, like, I would very, very often come home from school and my mother would be uh, at the sewing machine quilting after she had also come home from school from teaching all day. And um, so she would be sewing at the sewing machine and, you know, she had the big white oak basket filled with scraps. And, you know, I would sit there in the basket and talk to her while she sewed. And um, so I just sort of learned the process as sort of a, a, a background thing. Um, as a child, I always wanted to be an artist. There was never a moment where that wasn't what I thought I was going to be in um there was a moment later in life when I realized that was actually very hard. <laughs> it wasn't what I thought it was when I was little. But, um, you know, when I was little, I thought an artist, you know, had an easel and like a beret and, you know, wore a smock <laughs> and had a paintbrush. It wasn't until uh, later I realized that, you know, an artist, like, can sew, you know, even though I very much was raised in a household where craft was uh, very esteemed by both my parents, my father and my mother. 
So. so when you're growing up and thinking about becoming an artist, were you working with different mediums? Like, was it a linear path towards finding quilting as your voice? Uh, no, uh, nothing about becoming an artist was really linear for me, except that I was born into an arts family. I sort of got real lucky from day one and then had to work <laughs> real hard after that. My father was a museum curator for many years, an art museum. And so I grew up uh, surrounded by paintings at this museum every day, all these incredible Southern painters. And then I would go home and our house was filled with baskets and quilts, you know, like a pottery. And um, so I really was just immersed in uh, visual arts and crafts from day one. And then I went to uh, the University of Mississippi to college, uh, majored in whatever, an art degree, a BFA. And then I became a career diner waitress for the next 20 years. <laughs> so um, during that time, I was still drawing and painting. And um, eventually I realized that uh, I, I was able to accomplish in textiles what I was never really able to accomplish in drawing and painting. You know, I was painting figurative work in all the people in my paintings were wearing dresses with prints, you know, the artists I grew up admiring, like Benny Andrews, painter Benny Andrews, he uses a lot of fabric and collage in his work, you know, so I sort of eventually realized I was really just wanting to work with Paul. <laughs> so, but it took me a long time and a lot of waitressing to realize that. So. so for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with your work and what it looks like, could you describe your, your style for us? Yeah, so my quilts can work as paintings in a lot of ways. And I think when I compose, I sort of uh, have uh, that sort of in, in mind. So it's, it's usually a lot of like, um, well, it's always a lot of old textiles that aren't put in a traditional pattern, more or less. But that traditional pattern is it's really at the base in the back of my head the whole time. Um, so yeah, my works are pretty big as quilts are, and um, they're very abstract, they're uh, emotive, and um, they're, pr they're pretty loose, you know, and uh, they're, they're bright. When you mentioned that your works are pretty big, what is the biggest piece of work that you've created so far? Well, well I've got a 10 foot by 8 foot piece. It's, it's, wow. <laughs> yeah, and it's got like sculptural elements like suitcases attached to it and lampshades. <laughs> So how do you, how are you able to attach these three-dimensional items onto the project? Yeah, so that is an ongoing issue for me. <laughs> I learn every day new, new ways to hang this stuff on the wall. Um, it's, it's really a combination of like, uh, I'll hang the quilts like with Velcro or whatever, and then I'll mm -hmm. attach these elements sort of separately. So it winds up being an install, you know. And um, some pieces have like wood elements to them and I have to like nail it or screw it in after the piece is up. So yeah, it just, it's different every time. Yeah. So if you're hypothetically transporting it for, you know, to be displayed at exhibition, would you have to then dismantle it into several pieces and then, you know, put it back together when you get there? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's exactly what happens. Okay. <laughs> so you mentioned at the beginning that you work with um, reclaimed fabrics. Um, was that something that you always wanted to work with or has that kind of evolved over the years? 
That was very, very practical because it was absolutely free. It cost no money whatsoever <laughs> to use old clothes that were laying around my studio, my painting studio that were laying, you know, that were in my closet. You know, this whole, it's so funny looking back. Like I had clothes that I had collected my whole life, you know, by the time I was quilting, I was like taking t-shirts when I was five that I'd kept and hung on onto and like making quilts out of it. And I realized in retrospect, I've been like been collecting fabric my entire life, you know? So um, yeah, it was just real practical. It was free. Uh, and I'd, would look at the cost of fabric and I was like, Oh my God, no way I'm paying that. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, and I sort of like, I liked the character of the old fabric. I liked, especially when people started donating to me, the, um, the sort of process or story it took for it to get to me, you know, like the fact that if it weren't for just like at the last second, somebody remembering you know, oh, that girl down on Main Street, she takes old fabric, you know, if it weren't for them just remembering that right before they drove to the dump, you know, (laughs) I would never get this stuff in these, uh, you know, quilt tops, dresses, Walmart blankets, you name it, wouldn't get another life. What's it like working with fabric, like, like clothing, right? Because it's not often flat. Like, how do you incorporate that into your work? Yeah, so sometimes I'll leave the elements that aren't flat, like, um, Uh, and not just with clothing, like for example, if somebody gives me like a really old quilt that's all messed up, well, if it's a good quilt that's not messed up, I don't mess, I just keep it, but as it is, but if it's like super messed up, you know, I'll often take it apart so I can use like the top in something and like remake it as a quilt or whatever. And oftentimes I'll find uh, another quilt inside and, um, that quilt will have sometimes been folded and scrunched up and sort of just over the course of time, you know, cause it was used as batting and um, it will be wrinkled sort of in place, you know, and it will have like lived the past 25 years with this fold in it and the inside of another quilt. I'll just sew that down as is sort oh, of as so like, fascinating. That's like a, you know, I'm like, man, I'm not going to take that wrinkle out now, <laughs> you know, like it's earned, it's keep, it's, it's earned the right to stay there, uh, yeah. you know? So, um, you know, I, I'll, when, when there's, you know, wrinkles and bubbles and pleats and all that, oftentimes I'll work with it. If it's, um, uh, an element I, w- I want to like exaggerate, like I'll, you know, put stuffing in it and stuff. So what's the most weirdest thing that someone's sent to you? Yeah. Um, I've gotten, uh, beaver tails and yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Uh-huh. beaver tails uh like possum and raccoon pelts like their face their oh my god <laughs> so a sideline in taxidermy is oh yeah like people bring me all sorts of stuff um I got a plastic bag of just like doll heads, like just oh plastic doll gosh. heads. Very creepy. But then in a separate donation, I got a plastic bag of doll arms. Oh, God. <laughs> like, what were they? What, I wonder what they were going to do with it. I'm just waiting for you to get the feet. I <laughs> know. Oh, it's like coming to me in parts. It's so crazy. Oh, God. Um, but people are very kind with their donations. Like sometimes they'll leave me material to die with, like uh, black walnuts and stuff. And, um, I had somebody leave me like 
a huge bushel of shells from purple hole peas, which I don't think actually die, but they're very beautiful and purple. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, well, she wants me to try it out. So I tried it, it didn't work, but you know, so. Do thought. you get things that smell pretty funky? Oh yeah. All the time. Lots of like sheets where I'm like, somebody mur- was murdered here. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> like, you know, like something went down and, um, <laughs> Uh, and then you know you get um the baby crib blankets and stuff um and you know a lot of times the stuff the smell doesn't um come out until it's ironed and then you know because the steam and I'm like oh wow okay I don't wash any of this stuff because a lot of my quilts aren't actually used as quilts um Mm. if I'm if, if my quilts are being used as an actual quilt you know then uh that's different but if it's a wall piece then there's no sense in washing it and also often like if I washed it anyway what I find really sort of fascinating about the fabric might either wash out or fray or or take a different form so Mm. yeah and you you hand sew everything right Mm -hmm. yeah wow Uh, how's how's that working with like different materials yeah it's basically the only way to do it because like (laughs) If you're, you know, my materials change, like one inch, it'll be like some nice linen. And then the next inch or the next like three feet is some kind of like leather, you know, there's, it's, it, it winds up being easier to hand sew it. Yeah. And yeah. do you use different types of needles for different types of materials? Um, my notions are also donated. So I use whatever is closest to me and works. I don't have a like brand preference or any sort of, if the needle is sharp and goes through whatever material I'm trying to sew through, that's what I use. And if it's somewhere near me in the studio, because my studio is very big and very messy. (laughs) You mentioned that most of, a lot of your works aren't intended to be used as quilts. They're more intended as uh, to be either hung on the wall or in an installation. In that vein, we've noticed uh, through your Instagram that some of your works are framed. Do you have any tips for our listeners of how to frame their projects and you know how to deal with mounting them? Yes. So what I did was I got my father-in-law to make frames. So you should do that. <laughs> <Step> no, <laughs> but, but yeah, the framing thing, like, so I was, I've been very reluctant to frame anything because I want, like, I want quilts to be the power here. I want the process of quilt making and quilts on the bed to be the star. And I want people to let them be the star. And I, I felt like framing them made the painting part the star, you know? So I was very reluctant to frame for years and years and years. It was like, no, I want them to fold and bend, even if they're going to be on the wall forever. Like I want the idea that they're still foldable and bendable to, to be, you know, prominent. And I want people to get used to that or whatever. But, um, you know, my, what I wound up doing is because some of these pieces were taken on these sculptural elements, I was mounting these things on like hardboard, you know, I would wrap batting around hardboard and then sew the top layer. So the actual back layer of the quilt is not muslin. It's hardboard with batting (laughs) stapled to it and the quilt top, you know. And so, you know, when I had my latest show, my husband who owns the gallery that I show with, uh, for my latest show, was like, man, I really think these would look good framed, you know? And I was like, especially I had sort of some smaller square works that were really sort of painterly or whatever and didn't necessarily, uh, they weren't, you know, nine, 10 feet big or whatever. So it was feasible to frame them. 
And um, so, yeah, his dad built frames and it, uh, I wound up loving it, you know? So I, you know, I often have like these sort of weird esoteric rules I put on myself and then I drop them <laughs> like totally. And then they're just gone forever, you know? So that's part of, I guess, like experimenting and messing around. And are you, when you're framing them, are they mounted? Are you kind of stitching them to like a piece of fabric that's been put on? Yeah. Um, okay. So, so exactly how I do something like that is I take, you know, just like a sort of a thin piece of hardboard. And this, in this case, for these past few, I did, it was just square, like 28 inch squares. And I take my batting and I wrap the front of the board in batting, staple it on the back. And then I start composing the piece just right on top of that. And um, yeah, and usually with a, a, there might be a muslin top that I, you know, but sometimes not. Sometimes, you know, I'm just like collaging it, honestly, it's the applique. And then because I've got that batting layer, I can sew like, you know, I can do like running stitches wherever I want to. I'm just hit, hitting the board and coming back up with the needle, you know. And then so you've got this quilt where the back of it is a hard board square. And then you can mount that onto, you know, another framed piece, you know, another board that's got a little frame built around it. Yeah. How is it working with where the backing is wood? Like, yeah, does, well, it, does it get a real interesting textural difference? Um, yeah. Well, one thing that's cool about that, and I don't do this with all my pieces. I just do it every now and then with some of them, um, is that you can make things weirdly shaped. The, the wood that I use sort of most often is scrap wood from other things I've cut out for other stuff. And so whatever shape that wood is kind of dictates what the shape of the piece is going to be. Cool. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I very much sort of leave a lot of my um, design decisions to fate. Like what, what shape is that piece already laying there? I'll just use that. Or, you know, what, what my materials are totally faded. I have no idea what I'm going to get or use until somebody drops it off, you know? So I sort of like, handing that control over to the universe it decides that part and then I only have you know the the fun decisions to make like where where are the lights where are the darks you know how does the texture play in you know um sort of half the work is already done for me when I work like found stuff or in my case donated stuff it finds me (laughs) so when you're when you're tackling a new quilt project how does that process kind of look? Is Do you have something in mind already or are you kind of finding inspiration in your um, in the donations? Yeah, so it's uh, inspiration in the donations, really. Like, I'll have a concept. Like, if let's say it's for a show, for like a series, a new series of work I'm doing. I'll be like, you know, like this past series, like I really want to make a show about like, you know, uh, on the concept of war quilts and um you know, sort of like, I'll have this big concept in my head about like war, violence, whatever. And um, so that's all I've got to start with. I don't have a sketch pad or anything in my studio. And um, so I just go in and think like, I'll probably need about eight pieces, you know, eight big ones, probably five small ones. And um, I start with about three or four pieces at once and lay out big pieces of fabric on the floor and each piece will have some sort of story or concept in my mind. That doesn't, that's not actually important to the viewers. You know, that's where it's starting for me. (laughs) um, So yeah, 
I usually lay out a dark piece of fabric and then um, a light piece of fabric and sort of figure out how to make those two um, come together, you know, under the concept. And then I, I, for every piece, I try to make my, the lights, they're sort of like an internal light source for the quilt. Like I want it to look sort of like it's glowing from within. And um, I think that happens in painting a lot. I mean, you know, that's sort of their main thing, especially <laughs> like representational work. And so then that that's sort of the last thing to happen is like when you're adding like chiffons and tools and stuff, because mm -hmm. that really like makes things like glow. Yep. Interesting. So you um, exhibited your work at a number of different shows and museums across the country. Could you tell us more about that process of exhibiting? Yeah, well, you know, the first time I ever showed anything quilt-wise was with the Piecework Collective Girls in New York. And um, that was uh, really great because that was the first, for many reasons, but um, that was the first time anybody had ever really noticed my work I didn't even consider myself a quilter really at the time but my good friend Kiva was like you want to be in this show somebody had dropped out and like, <laughs> they needed an extra person and so she called me and I was like okay but um so that was really the first time I showed like quilt work and I learned about velcro which is just a game changer you know <laughs> because like until then I was like just not hanging things a because nobody cared to hang my work and um like I didn't like the wooden thing going across the top you know it was like distracting hmm. they were like velcro girl gotta get on it and so um <laughs> after that I was able to like you know I had a show at the Halsey in South Carolina and um that was the first time I really got to devote a year to making a show because before then I was um definitely working all the time waiting tables, taking care of kids and stuff, but I want a grant. And so I could take a year and make a whole big show. And uh, that was an incredible experience. And and it really sort of made it possible for me to continue. Um, so yeah, I actually haven't had like a ton of museum shows. I've had some gallery shows, but um, you know, and each, each, um, each, show is an opportunity for me to work in a big series and get this these big thoughts out of my head like I'm a big series worker I rarely if ever do a one-off if I'm making a quilt based on a concept I'm probably doing eight to ten of them so do you think it's become easier over time with creating all these series yeah because now I have time more time to do it you know mm. I have uh I, I, I'm, I, I do it all day every day and so it's much easier now than it was five years ago when I was quilting at night and real, real early in the morning. So, but yeah, now that I've got some real practice in making, you know, big projects. Yeah. I, I, it's much easier in terms of like the practicalities of timing. You know, I'm very scheduled. I go to the studio at the same time. I have, a certain thing done on Monday, I have a certain thing done on Friday, you know, because I mean, otherwise it would just be total chaos. And so <laughs> I've learned how to really structure my time to get as much in that I can. So, so you've also done a couple different fellowships. Have those been things that you've um, applied for with a project in mind or a new series in mind? 
Yeah, well, um, one fellowship, the United States Artists, I didn't apply for that. I was nominated, and those are anonymous uh, nominations. So there is like some angel on earth walking around <laughs> out there who <laughs> literally changed my life. Like that, that fellowship made me a full-time artist, hands down. And, um, and then like, um, I've, I got a fellowship from the Mississippi Museum of Art, uh, for their, their biennial fellowship. And that was something you apply for. You apply to the biennial. And then you, if you get into the biennial, you apply for this fellowship. And, um, so I had like written a little thing about, you know, a project I would do for that. And, um, so yeah, you know, you spend a whole lot of time writing, as a visual yeah. artist, <laughs> who knew? And, uh, I was going to say, who knew that, huh? <laughs> I know. And it's really funny. I write um, a little feature column for our local newspaper here in my hometown, uh, or not my hometown. I didn't grow up here, but um, our town here, Water Valley, is thirty five hundred people. And um, every week, I write a little column about living here or whatever. And um, it's five hundred words in. Writing that column every Monday morning has helped me so much with uh, grant writing, fellowship application type stuff. Because, you know, if it's like, well, I need 250 words about such and such. I'm like, got it. That's half a column. You know, <laughs> do that in 15 minutes. So, um, yeah, the practicing writing, I think, is sort of key for me, at least, with those sorts of things. Do you sometimes, it sounds random, but do you sometimes draw inspiration from the columns into your work as well? Yeah, well, a lot of my work is about me and my kids and um, a lot of my artwork is, and that's definitely what my column is about, like sort of living here in Water Valley and like, you know, it's, it's kind of a funny column or whatever. I try to <laughs> like a humor slice of life thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, my work is a lot about that and, um, Oftentimes, I think that, and, you know, abstraction works for me because, you know, my kids have their own lives and they are entitled to privacy. And uh, so I think that often abstraction might work well for women who have children who are artists because you're not always at liberty to just tell every story, you know, that may have happened in your life or to your children. But you, as a human being, you have the, the desire to say these things. And so I you know, for me, abstraction has been the, the greatest tool to talk about tough things while still remaining like a conscientious mom, you know. So in that respect, like my column and my work can kind of be the same because I'm not always just trying to tell my kids stuff to like everybody <laughs> in the town, but I do present some of it in a way that's, you know, that they, they, they like when they show up in my columns sometimes, you know. <laughs> But they will do something sometimes. They're like, Mom, don't put that in the column. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So like a little threat. Like, <laughs> So could you, do you have any quilting goals or fun projects on the horizon that you could share with us? Yeah, well, I'm currently in the middle of a year-long project um, where I'm selling a little doll quilt every Friday uh, on Instagram and it's part of like this whole year long thing. Um, this is my third or fourth social, what I call social projects. And, um, I've, I think it's the third year I've done one and, um, you know, rural artists are very, very isolated. Uh, nobody would ever see us or know about us if it not, if it weren't for the internet. And so I take, uh, internet access and the people that I know on the internet 
seriously and I really like to have fun with that aspect of being an artist because it's how us out in the country really sort of network I guess and um so this is the third year I've sold work on the internet last year I did uh 12 quilts 12 big quilt size quilts one a month sold them on the internet and this year I'm doing a concept um where I'm selling one doll quilt every Friday and doll quilts are about 16 by 20 they're small and they're related in concept to this sort of a larger project that you could you know read about on my Instagram but um so that goes on all year long it'll end in December and then uh other than that I have a show uh, a couple of shows next year and so I'm working on a as of June is when I'm scheduled to start working on my uh, next show, which is a um, big series of what I call river raft quilts. And um, these are quilts that are like conceptual rafts. I grew up in a river town in West Georgia through like all these old, you know, cotton mills. And so uh, the concept is that you get on these rafts that I've quilted and you, you float down river with your children in these toward the ocean, toward like an autonomy. And um, you, each river raft quilt is equipped with all these things you might need for your journey. So like boxes your kids could put their toys in, like cash. Some of them have like cash in bank bags, you know, nets to catch fish. And um, so anyway, there's sort of these like wild sculptural uh, conceptual quilted rafts. So that's the, from June to, you know, December, I'll be making those in the studio while doing the doll quilts for the internet. So we'll have to keep an eye out on, mm-hmm. on the Instagrams, on the interwebs. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> on that note, it is time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. Are you ready, Coulter? I'm ready. Wendy, why don't you kick us off? <laughs> okay. Uh, what is your favorite time of day to quilt? Morning, hands down. Uh, where do you sew? At my studio, I have a storefront on Main Street. And do you wear shoes while sewing? No. I mean, yes, because my studio is real messy and I would step on uh, pins. But also my studio is very hot. And so if I'm using, I'm usually in flip-flops. <laughs> so sort of half, halfway shoes. Music, Netflix, podcast, or the sounds of silence while sewing? Uh, sound of silence when I compose. And then once it's ready, then it's podcast. What's your current favorite podcast? Oh, anything true crime. It's like horrible stuff, like stalking and oh god, <laughs> listening to like all these horrible things. So I'm supposed to make these like comforting quilts about love. Yeah, I'm just imagining the, those uh, those doll heads. <laughs> I know. I, I yeah. swear, like one day you're gonna come across some like creepy <laughs> creep dude that collects doll heads, oh, no. or like, or the doll comes... heads will have moved themselves around. Yes. The yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Favorite snack while quilting? I don't, I don't eat while I'm quilting. I'll get tired and full. I don't, must, I don't have anything to eat in my studio. I'm lame. And do you have a favorite traditional quilt blog? Yeah, I love the rail fence. What is your favorite color? Pink. And what color fabric do you use the most? Pink. Do you have a favorite type of fabric to work with? No, I'm real democratic about my fabric. Like, uh, it, it can be like a, you know, t-shirt from the dollar store. It can be like, you know, linen from 1860. And I'm going to, if it fits the bill for that piece, I'm going to use it. Now, I mean, I secretly know which one's better, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I use them all the same. Solids or prints? 
it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. You know what I like better than anything is a like a sun fade or a warm spot. Mm. Do you have a favorite exhibition of your work to date? Yeah, the current one right now. <laughs> um, at Southside Gallery. And favorite quote in the My Love for You is Deathless exhibit. Yeah, um, there's one in there called Fabrica, which was the last one I made. And often I think the last quilt is in a series is, you know, sort of where you really get to the core of stuff. And what is your favorite part of the exhibition process? Um, finally seeing them on the wall because you can't hang anything on the wall in my studio. So I never see them on the wall. I work on the floor until they get into the gallery. <laughs> Pick one. River raft quilts, the midway, or the raw materials of escape? Um, not the midway because my studio flooded and it's now, <laughs> it's now another piece. Oh, no. Yeah, it's been taken apart. So oh. the, um, the raw materials of escape, that was the one I had at Halsey that sort of jump started all this stuff. So, yeah. What's the last fabric you bought? I know you get donations, but yeah. what's the last fabric you got? Yeah, I've never bought uh, fabric. Um, except for muslin, so unbleached muslin. How do you organize your fabrics? Color. And what do you do with your scraps? I use them in my work. My work is scraps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have a sewing notion that you couldn't live without? Uh, you know, I only use uh, scissors and a needle, you know, in my sewing machine for when I need to do that, so... And speaking of sewing machines, what sewing machine do you sew on? It's a really fancy um, Singer Simple from Walmart, $95. I have every sewing machine under the sun that has been donated to my studio, but that's the one I use. It's so I can tear it up and not feel bad about it. Do you ever use rulers in your work? I have one four-foot ruler. And um, yeah, and that's that's the only measuring instrument I have at the studio. That is a big ruler. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, what thread brand do you use? Uh, all my thread is donated as well. So it's just like old thread. And do you have a pressing preference? Open, dark side? Open. Yeah, I'll press. You know, I used to not do that. I was like, oh, nobody has time. And I was like, that is the dumbest thing ever. I have got to press my seams. <laughs> like it makes such a difference. So yeah, I just press them open. Machine or hand quilt? Hand quilting, yeah, I've never machine quilted. Machine piece, I'll do that, but yeah. Machine or hand bind? Uh, hand bind, yeah. Uh, spray, a pin, or thread-based? Pin. Pre-wash, always, sometimes, never? Never. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite part of the quilting process? I think it's the first few minutes, um, because that's when I'm like, you know, deciding what it's about to be. And what's your least favorite part of the quilting process? It used to be binding, like I hated it, but now I've really come to like really love binding. And um, I don't really have a least favorite part of the quilting process anymore. I've come to love all of it. And do you have a bad quilting habit that you wish you could give up? Yeah, um, when I, I'm real messy, like when I'm pulling fabrics to use, I don't put them back. And they just, land, they just land on the floor at my feet. And then the next day I walk in and I'm like, oh man, somebody's going to have to deal with that one day. <laughs> Do you have a quilty BFF? Yeah, um, my actual BFF, which is uh, Megan Patton. 
She's at Doe Quilts on Instagram. She's like a string quilt master queen. And um, she's got great colors, but it's D-O-E Quilts on Instagram. And my mother, Kathy Russell. (laughs) She's on Instagram too. And uh, do you have a quilty crush? Yeah, you know, I love all the historians and collectors. Like, I I basically stalk these people. Like, the historians, (laughs) like, you know. And all the collectors, I, I love going to their Instagram pages. I love following all the quilt historians on Facebook in their various groups, you know, and they've got, they're so smart. They spend their lives studying this stuff for us so that we can then go, you know, make all these quilts. So, yeah, I'm a big nerd with sort of the older collector historian <laughs> crowd. They don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> and is there one particular or a couple of collectors that you'd recommend our listeners uh, to follow well of course there's Roderick you know and then um Marjorie Childress and then like I love Bar- all of Barbara Brackman's Facebook groups and I feel like you actually kind of answered this but do you have a f- favorite recent make uh yeah just I guess in my show the Fabrica piece yeah and how many quilts do you have in your work in progress pile right now well I just started the the next big uh you know the river raft quilts and so I usually work on about four at once and so I have four on the floor right now and um you know I'm probably gonna have eight all together. feel like you may have answered the next question but where do you store your work in progresses? Well they stay on the floor (laughs) (laughs) because there's nowhere else to put them so I just walk around them yeah so and and then when work is finished they're just folded up and put in the back of my studio you know. And do you have any hobbies? Yeah, uh, I like sports. So I'm like, you know, run, tennis. On that note, we've got just one more question for you before we wrap today up. And who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why? Yeah, okay. The first one is Carol Harris Textiles. I think she's in Detroit. I love her work. I don't know hardly anything about her, but I absolutely love her work. It's so good. Um, and it's Carol, C-A-R-O-L-E with an E. Okay. Um, Harris Textiles. Um, she's got just this real depth of color and, uh, uh, she's some of the best stuff I've seen. Uh, Samantha Herring is a painter that I really love. And, um, I think she's out of Cincinnati and it's Samantha.Herring, H-A-R-I-N-G. She does, um, realist paintings of trash around her studio like bubble wrap the blue painters tape i bought several of her pieces she and i i think share an aesthetic for the mystery of the thrown away item you know um and then my friend and sometimes collaborator photographer carolyn drake um she did a sort of surrealist take on our local knit club here and um her instagram handle is drakey cake Drakey Cake, D-R-A-K-E-Y, and then Cake, C-A-K-E. And uh, she's an incredible photographer um, that does this sort of like magical realism stuff. And she uses a lot of me and my friends and our children as her models and stuff. So, yeah. Cool. Um, on that note, we need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can most easily be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadclaw Studio, Wendy. I am the.weekendquilter. Anna, I'm at Wax and Wayne Studio. And Coulter. And I'm Colt Yellow. 
Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website quiltbuzzpodcast.com for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's show, we hope that you subscribe to the podcast and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Bye.